Welcome to Tools, Talents, and Techniques. I'm your host, Dustin Sutton. Extremely excited for today's show. Uh, my friend and colleague, Mr. Marley Watkins, will be joining us. Uh, we had a great conversation. Talked a lot about the importance of business structure, uh, LLCs, um, the history, uh, where they are now, how they impact you and your professional career, and also where he sees this all going in the future and emerging technologies. So again, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's have some fun. Well, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. I'm really excited about this conversation. We have Mr. Marley Watkins with us today. So welcome. Well, happy, very happy to be here. Very happy to be here. Excited. Yeah. So so I'm I'm really excited about having this conversation. I want you to first introduce yourself a little bit about, about you and your company and what you okay. do. Uh, my name is Alice Marley Watkins. I'm a CSO, which is Chief Structuring Officer of Simply Structure LLC. What we do is we, as our name implies, is we work with comp- small business owners, entrepreneurs, high net worth individuals to really structure their entities and their portfolios in the most efficient way possible. So in long and short is we structure you to maximize your profit and to minimize your liabilities, otherwise it's taxes. So those two pillars is uh, what we focus all of our attention on. So structuring, Maximizing profit, minimizing taxes. We've had a conversation previously about the importance of the structure and LLCs. And in the world that I'm in, it's mostly commercial real estate and also in the tech industry. And I thought it was really important, some of the some of the points that you brought up, and I'm excited to, to dive more into those. But before we do, I would like to hear a little bit more about your journey. Like what, what brought you to this place in your position? Um, tell me about how you got here. Uh, this is, and then thank you again. Like I said, I'm humbled because what we do in structuring, the number of, three most important letters of structuring are LLC. I think nothing holds as much value as those three letters. So the journey to get here and is quite an interesting one. So back to the beginning, and it kind of makes sense. So I started my career, college athlete, track and field, St. John's, Cold Red Storm, Rick Pitino. Um, <laughs> I got hurt, lost my scholarship, had to get a job, started working at this small startup company back then called Fiji Water. Um, Fiji Water has since exploded as a global brand, but I was one of their earliest employees. From Fiji to pharmaceutical sales, I got recruited from pharmaceutical sales to law school. And I give the backstory because this is where the story and why my background becomes relevant. At a law school, I was recruited by a company called CT Corporation. And to put it very quickly, is CT Corporation is basically the legal Zoom for the Fortune 100. They do all the corporate transactions, okay. all corporate filings, all corporate agent services for the Fortune 100, Fortune 500. So my journey with when they recruited me is because I had a sales background and a law degree. That made me a little unique. That's why I get the backstory that I started out in sales. Fast forward to you know how we got here is while structuring some of the biggest companies in the world, Goldman Sachs, 
Cerebus, Microsoft, Google, Four Seasons, Marriott Group, Bloomberg. Those are all CT clients. Those are all my clients. What we realize that is all those companies are structured exactly the same. Ventura Realty, Kimco Realty, these huge real estate, all the same. So what we do now, and that background has brought me to here, is we saw in our community, and especially in the athlete, entrepreneur, entertainer space, that level of structuring didn't exist. So hence the name Simply Structure, hence what we do today has really been that long 20-something plus year journey. It really started with learning how the biggest companies of the world do this on such an efficient level, and then bringing that same efficiencies, that same mentality uh, to you know our community and our, our client base. So that's how we got here from uh, a, a torn hamstring on a track in April, <laughs> all the way to here, 24 years later. Well, so so a couple a couple points I would like to expand on. Number one, what what was it that you were doing when you tore your hamstring? Was it during a meet or was oh, it practice? Quarter mile. What were you doing? Um, I was a four hundred meter runner. I never forget it. I was listening to the Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix, and I had just qualified for the Olympics. I had just run a standard time, and this meet was not a really important meet, so I didn't really stretch well. Well, there's your answer. Um, because I didn't stretch well, I tore it on the track. They called the sniper shot. Just, you know, that's it. Career wow. ender, career ender. However, it ended up being, you know, it, it worked out where because of that, Fiji took a chance on me because they had St. John's connections. Fiji to pharma, so I was very young at pharma. Pharma to law school. Law school, when CT hired me, I was one of their first ever outside hires. So they forced me to learn their entire business from the ground up, which has benefited our clients today because we could talk about it at a very granular um almost origin story type level of how this whole thing works. Well, a couple of things from you coming from that sports background and you, you touched on briefly the sales and legal mm -hmm. experience. Um, was, is there anything from the sports background too that the preparing or, or I don't know, I don't want, I want to put words in your mouth. Was there anything that you learned being an athlete that also transferred into the sales in the, the law uh, world? I learned this, and this is what I joke with now. I learned that people who are really good are really, really good. And that has changed. <laughs> I joke because I happened to run against Justin Gatlin, who was like an Olympic gold medalist. And I happened to run against yeah, Andrew Johnson, who's a Hall of Fame receiver. So, I, I, so what has taken me is humility and realizing that the people who excel, excel because they put in a considerable amount of hard work. They put in a considerable amount of extra mm. effort. They put in a considerable amount of time over and above what everybody else does. So that's the one thing I learned from dealing with athletes and being an athlete is the one to excel. It's that next level. And, and, and that's in business. We do that next level. You read the trade journals, you scour the information, you stay on top of the, you end up, you end up being on top. So that's what sports has translated in this world, dealing with clients from around the world. We see the same thing. It's the clients who are the most informed, on top of it or doing the or do the most do well. Yeah. So also when it when it comes to what you mentioned about you saw how these large companies and corporations were doing business a certain way that the smaller uh or less established companies were not. Could you could you dive into that and tell me like what is it about that format or, or how it works that maybe the smaller companies don't think 
about it or it just it just doesn't apply but where it does like could you uh build well, that, that bridge that's a great us? point and i think it brings us right to our very conversation the core of it um really in real estate is probably the most obvious schism the, the biggest difference between the big realty corporations and the smaller realty operations on how they operate for example in corporation side we call it delaware plus one they don't form any entity ever without forming a Delaware parent on top of it. And this is entity level specific. So when they do transactions, each property has its own LLC, each contract has its own LLC, subcontract own LLC, all flowing through another parent LLC, all flowing through Delaware. So no matter where they operate in the world, in the country, they're operating in Delaware. That's just a very corporation, real estate specific, real world example. And that's part, that's every single transaction. It never changes. Whereas mm -hmm. on the smaller business side, they don't really buy a property in Maryland, say, okay, I'm going to buy a property in Maryland, make that property its own LLC. Then I'm going to form another one on top of it in Delaware and have another one own those three on every transaction. I think those are, whereas one side, it's mandatory. Commercial corporations, when this is a, a publicly traded company, that's part of the equation where you're a smaller you know, you're, you're, you're doing what you do, doing phenomenal at it. That may not be your lens. That's not what you're looking at mm. is how to make sure that. So that's, that's the, uh, a glaring difference. And those go on and on and mm. how contracts. Um, another big example is sharing funds. Um, corporations share funds, micro exchanges. Money flows back and forth. I was telling the client, you know, Disney doesn't ask Marvel for money. It takes it. Disney owns Marvel. <laughs> they don't care. It takes it right away. And we'll take that money and give it to Star Wars. It doesn't care. Disney Enterprises owns everybody. That's the difference when you have a structure versus one entity by itself trying to give money to another entity by itself. That becomes more challenging when they're not owned by a parent. So those are why the structuring and the corporations thrive in these spaces. And those are why the smaller person bears way more the brunt of the effort because their entities aren't working the same, you know, the same way as these corporations are set up. Well, I, I want to, that's, that, that's really good to, to hear. I, I think I, I understand it at some level as I think many people understand that LLCs are important, but don't know why or how exactly it works. But I also understand you don't need to know how everything works to know that <laughs> you should and it works. But before, I guess maybe to give it more context, could you elaborate on the history of LLCs, like why they even came about in the first place? Um, that's a, a, a great question, Dustin, and thank you, because that also, that probably may answer your, your listeners' biggest question, S-Corp versus LLC. So if we go into the history, mm. LLCs can almost answer that question because LLCs were created to be the antithesis of corporations. So their history, their, their very history, they were formed in 1977 in Wyoming by a Texas oil company banking and accounting team that wanted to create the best structure possible. Hence why it's called limited liability company not limited liability corporation. There was a strategic purpose mm. to use the word company in there. So that's why I tell the history is so important because that really shapes how LLCs are today. So because they're not corporations, they don't have corporate tax returns, they don't have corporation oversight site, they don't have anything corporations really have. Whereas 
LLCs because they were formed and their history was to be a counter, a better option than a corporation, for lack of a better term. They were created to be better, um, almost like T2 versus T1. You know, they were created to be better than a corporation. So now, fast forward 45 years, um, LLCs and the history of them shows why they're the most used business structure around the world. It shows why they dominate in the real estate space. Again, they were created uh, to be beneficial to their owner. They were created. Their very history is to be very, very, very good business structures. So that's why if you look at where they come from, it makes it easy to understand how these things have, uh, when used correctly, are the greatest, world's greatest tax advantage. Thanks for giving that context. Um, and that the history there, as far as successes and failures of like why so if somebody that didn't that somebody didn't create one or did one erroneously uh, or it's too late to to creating uh, one can you give any current examples or any recent examples of of the importance of LLCs? well that's uh again this is where we start getting to why i hope people are listening why i hope you tune in because how does this affect me like what's a real world lc's are great the history is great. Yeah, what's a real-world example of how this... Uh, how does it affect my, my dollars and cents? So a real-world example of um, not using LLCs and not structuring. There's two different ways. There's using LLCs and there's structuring. Very clear. Um, using LLCs, just throwing an LLC up there, taking the money, putting it on you. Using structuring is having a parent company, a holding company, multiple LLCs that work together. So the biggest example of... Um, using an LLC without structuring or not using it at all. Every audit you ever heard about, every bad story that has made the news. Um, every case of, the biggest one everybody talks about is Wesley Snipes, but it happens to so many different people. Anytime you hear the word tax evasion, unreported income, that's a failure in the strategy. Um, because the amount of money that Goldman doesn't, pay by the structure is way more than any penalty. So to answer the question, a real world example, I would look at any athlete entertainer has ever had tax problems. Those are all from lack of structure, period. Um, there is no way you should get in that type of issue if you have proper structure. You want to look at examples of real world that it successes. Um, the, the most Well, let me let me ask you this, because you mentioned before about, you know, Disney yeah. and their parent company. And maybe, uh, you know, I'm not expecting you to know all the, the nuance of, of how they're structured. But it, it, like success is there. So there, there's one parent company. Would that be an LLC and then other oh. LLCs under? Oh, it? yes. That, that's how a, that so the way it works is without giving too much of our playbook away. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you have a parent, you always need a parent and child structure because the way LLC laws are written, and this is a sophisticated audience, so we'll get into more of the, the details here, is they're written that they're disregarded entities. They pass through to its members. That's what people run into when you're the only member as a person, it passes on to you, the individual. Then you got to talk about the IRS, the taxes. When there are companies, when it passes through to a parent company, then it's a different story. And now you're in that world where that money has changed interbusiness-wise. So that's why it's a big difference. So yes, you always have a parent company and everybody's LLCs. The more LLCs you have, the merrier. So 
put in perspective, when we had JP Morgan's portfolio at CT, they had 8,000 LLCs. Uh, Marriott has 13,000 LLCs. I mean, so the more you have, the more sophisticated you are. So to answer, I hope that answers your question as far as the structure is going to be apparent and it's going to be one that holds your assets. And then there's going to be multiple LLCs for multiple properties, then multiple LLCs underneath them for any kind of contracts that flow through properties. So you can see, you know, easily you're talking about five to 10 LLCs very quickly for anybody in the commercial real estate space just on being set up properly. So thank you. That that does that does clarify things a bit. Um for each LLC, does is there um a fee? Because I know with the LLCs you do have to pay a, a fee. It's like eight hundred dollars a year. So for each one, they have a separate fee. Yeah, to so them? that's that's I'm so happy you brought that up. That eight hundred dollars is a very California specific fee. California ah, so, okay. and that's why we don't want to I can really go into the history of these, but LLCs were created to be state by state specific. Hence Delaware is okay. the lion's share, Wyoming, Nevada. Because of CT Corporation, believe it or not, you're able to form a company any state you want. Um, so California relies heavily on people not knowing that and forming in California and then taxing very heavily because of the artist industry, the creative industry. We tend to pull all of our California people out of California. We don't file there unless we absolutely have to. Mm. Um, but yeah, each fee is different. The most common fee is Delaware, which is a $300 annual fee per year. However, if you make $5 million, it's $300. If you make $5, $300. Delaware doesn't care. They care on the volume. Whereas Texas, if you make $5 million, you pay 1% of that. Um, you know, so each one is different. So you'll start to have the people who use these as tools, who use the talent of knowing this and as a technique, then they pick um, jurisdictionally favorable uh, states to, to f- file in. Um, I, can get into- I love that you just plugged the name of this. I love that you just plugged the name of the show. That was <laughs> all that. That was fantastic. Uh, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's funny. Usually this is the way I go into a huge Supreme Court case, but we'll leave that alone. But allow that to happen. Why, where you form now is really... And it's a, it was a dime of Ben's case in 2017 that basically changed everything. So now we've, and the gig economy and the internet. So, you know, once you did that, where you have to form. So New York and California are the two most, I would say, oppressive LLC states. Um, New York has a publication mm. requirement that drives real estate people crazy because you can't get a good standing from the state until you publicize, which is an expensive venture. And California has a very high barrier to entry, $800 fee off, off the top. Um, you look at a New Mexico, they have a $75, $50 filing, and then next year you pay the register agent fee, and there's no more annual fee. So you can just look at the difference. So, mm-hmm. you know, right across. So um, you look at a Delaware again, 300. You look at some of the other states. That's why you'll start to see why we let off that Delaware plus one. Now you see where if I'm making rental income in Texas, I want that money to sit in Delaware. I don't want rental. I don't want Texas to come out of my rental income. I'd much rather it sit in Delaware where I pay my $300 on it. I can make 400 grand in rent in Delaware, in Texas. It's really sitting in Delaware. I pay $300, I win. Um, versus taking that same $400,000 in Texas, putting it on me in Texas. Now I owe the government 30% of that. And so you can see the difference. Well, you, I also, because you, uh, you keep bringing up Delaware, and I know that for the reasons why, but I can't let this show go on without 
giving a shout out to Delaware because I went to the University of go Delaware. Hens. Okay, um, okay, go Hens. <laughs> yeah, right. You, you gave the you gave the St. John's yeah, plug, to, so I'm gonna to. give you. No, and I, and I have to. That's probably my most asked question: is why Delaware? We spoke in front of a high school, and um, that was by number. The, the high school kids asked the same question: um, Why Delaware? Um, the reason is, and the way we like to look at it, Delaware has name recognition. At this point, with online transactions and everybody following Delaware's law to the T, there's really no difference between states. To be totally honest with you, outside the ones that I named that are just atrocious. But um, Delaware has the name brand. Uh, Delaware has, and mm -hmm. Delaware has the Chancery Court, the Court of Chancery that allows you to, if you get sued, you always end up in Delaware no matter what. And that court tends to hold in favor of Delaware. So those are the two reasons why Delaware. I mean, name recognition and that court. Everybody wants to know how the power of that court. Look at Twitter. Uh, Elon Musk thought it was a Twitter was a San Fran company. Nope, Delaware company. You're clicking that court. That court tells you you've got to pay the money, you got to pay the money. So that court is phenomenally powerful. So what we end up doing is putting maybe one or two of our clients' entities in Delaware just in case they need access to that court, they can get there. Um, so that's how you know structuring and when it becomes a, a you know a tool or a technique is to say, okay, I have I have 30 I have 30 properties in Florida, but I want to get in that Delaware court. We have to name one company in Delaware, now you can do that. So the, those are the reasons. You know these things really matter on a much more personal scale um that i think the small business small entrepreneur the real estate guy who guy or gal who's grinding is not looking the same way a ventura realty is or a kimco or a, all the whales are because this is all they this is what they this is it you know my taxable number yeah. has to be lower so for the for the the people listening and well for anybody listening they've already tell that I'm not an attorney or a tax specialist. I'm sure that's apparent. And so I hope no one takes this as as a legal or tax advice for me. Um, but uh, but also I wanted to ask you how who who should somebody contact when they're going to set up their their company? Is it an attorney? Is it a tax professional? Is it is it your company? Like who who do they go to first to figure out how well, to I'll, I'll read my disclaimer as well. I am a lawyer by trade, but I am not your attorney or giving legal advice in any capacity. Um, so, and this is me <laughs> using to consult with your attorney or your accountant. Honestly speaking, this space sits in almost a donut zone. Oh, to be really honest with you. And I was um, just telling my wife this the other day. I remember distinctly when I was at CT Corp. And a company that I liked really wanted my team to do this type of structuring for them. So I went to the management team. I said, listen, let's bring them onto my fold. And they looked at me point blank and said, listen, our cutoff to get your expertise and your team is $10 billion more revenue or 250 companies or more. That was it. So I went back and I was like, sorry. And I realized then that's where this hole that lies. So the actual people, where could they go? It's a corporate law firm that understands these type of transactions, a corporate accounting team that understands these type of transactions, and a corporate service provider that understands these kind of transactions. Or simply structure, you know, <laughs> this is what we do. Uh, because we, we wear those hats, we wear the legal, the accounting, the structuring hat. And, and so we joke when that's really what we're able to provide value with. And we think that's what makes us a unique company because we look at it as, all those three have to be kind of compressed into one to look at you and say, hey, you know, you're one, two LLCs now, you really should be 13 to 14. 
uh, plus an international. Well, this. This is this is why I thought I was so excited to have you as as one of the the first guests because after speaking with you and through my own research and and the things that I've been I've been working on really after the the idea the concept the the basics of somebody's company company the formation and the structure is the foundation like it's it's so important and. After seeing that, after peeking behind the curtains and seeing how important it is, but also how complex and, uh, you know, all the different moving parts that, that are involved with, with structure and tax and compliance and all those things, I thought it was really important to, to give you a platform as well to, to share this, this knowledge. So I'm, I'm extremely excited to, to have you and, talk oh, no, about this. and we're thankful we know what you're doing in your group and i learned so much from you from our first meeting about just the real estate space and really picking your brain that's why we were, we were thrilled to jump on um and the reason the way i look at this and try to explain to people is this very very telling statistic of the of the one percent of this country the top one percent 20 percent of them employ these type of structures ending up with an offshore entity in some capacity so 20% of the 1%. Of the 0.01%, that's the Uber rich, there's even less of them, 60% employ this type of structuring, offshoring. You know, that just really shows who's doing this and, and where it really resides. So when people ask, you know, where do I go? That's who's doing this information. That study just came out because the IRS said there's $4 trillion floating around of that 0.01% does not exist anywhere besides entities. We've been saying that and we champion that. And we're saying um, it behooves you and it makes more sense. Anybody's listening to get your pen and paper out. That's the number one that number matters. 60% of the wealthiest people in the world do this type of structure, period. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, also, you know, we talked a lot about where, you know, how this originated and, and where it is now and, who's doing it and how they're doing it. It seems like in this world, everything's ever changing. You know, they're, they're even with, with crypto and, you know, with the, the internet, the, everything is moving so fast. Um, is there anything in your opinion that what's coming next or what's happening? Um, is this evolving into something else as far as these structures? Um, very, very, very good question. And it's evolving constantly. Two, there's two points to that. The first question is, is it ever going to go backwards? And my answer is, I think not. I think that these structures have become so implemented in the, every fabric of the world we live in today that LLCs and proper structure and use of them is going to become is going to become the norm. Um, in the future, mm -hmm. you're really seeing, like you mentioned crypto, you're having states carve out laws where they're embracing cryptocurrency embracing things like the DAO, um, allowing decentralized autonomous organizations to run companies. They're embracing things all around the board. The states are kind of picking and choosing. So that's really the future is evolving. You're seeing certain states that have learned that if I want to be a fintech LLC, I'm in New Mexico. You know, if I want to be a Bitcoin cryptocurrency, I'm in New Mexico, Nevada. If I want to be a DAO, I can only go to Wyoming. So you're starting to see that's the real evolution is the LLCs have become it used to be if you're in the game or you're out. Now it's if you're in the game, are you winning at it? Are you just, are you just forming an LLC because mm -hmm. you live in New Jersey, right in New Jersey? 
that's not looking at this the way the other people are is forming them around the states, using them as holding and parent, and et cetera, et cetera. So that's really the future. The future is the more sophisticated is getting a last number I heard is a millionaire should have 25 LLCs. And I, I heard that and I thought about it and I was like, yeah, but you said crypto. What I would do is have an LLC that just trades crypto. Why get involved and why tie it to my person? You know, that way that LLC is on its own. You know, if we, that's, that's it. If I want to invest in crypto, it's, so when they ask me the question, do you invest in crypto? No. Does my LLC invest in crypto? <laughs> yes. Is it never my portfolio? Different conversation. And that's what just, that's why when those numbers come out, people ask me, I answer, I go, yeah, 25, yeah. I see that 20 to 25 is when you start to really, so anybody who's listening and all the people out there, when you think of this, Again, I go back to that stat, 60% of the point forward. That, that's telling, very telling that. That is a very, that's a very that, telling that. number. You, you mentioned, you mentioned, you, you, you mentioned uh, Dow. Yeah. And I know for some listeners and prior to, uh, you know, a, a while ago, I, I had never heard of that before. Could you? Could you yeah. And that? that's a little bit about that's, what that is. That's one of those things. I rarely get to sit in the sexy seat. Like corporate formation is not the fun part of town. It's like, oh, what do you do? I form companies all that. Um, but we, because of Wyoming, realizing the power and importance of DAOs and having DAOs be part of LLCs, naming nomenclature. And so a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization, virtually AI, for lack of a better term, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, those are all DAOs. Those are all, there's no singular person that runs the organization, but out computer, math, algorithms run it. For the history of LLCs, a physical human or company had to be the owner. Now, for the first time, you could, you're allowed to have these decentralized autonomous organizations become owner of LLCs. Extremely exciting, extremely new. I mean, your listeners, you got you all on the cutting edge. I think most of the world has no idea this even exists. Um, we talked about it because when we talked about it in our pre-production, like what's the future? The future is, yeah, if you have a smart enough blockchain and you know what you're doing, you'll be able to have an LLC that is owned by that blockchain. And now all your monies and all your profits and everything you make can go wherever that blockchain tells it to. And that's extremely, extremely exciting. Um, so that's the future. Oh, one more, one more point. And another future thing besides sure. that's a tech part we talked about is the international aspect. Part of COVID opened up how easy it is to do business overseas. So I think what I'm seeing is international locations like the Nevises, the Isle of Man, the St. Kitts, the Grenadines, that used to be reserved for that 0.01% have made the barrier in very, very, very reasonable. And I think it's because they wanted residents. They needed the COVID. This is a COVID byproduct that for a very reasonable, okay. um, for, I mean, even everything's changed. So that's those two, decentralized organizations, LLCs, and international, where before, if you're looking at, if I could be a, a St. Nevis LLC, which is the most valuable one in the world, now that's a very realistic possibility. So that's the future, if I would say, from my humble position, is, you know, algorithm funding LLCs and global organizations being, head, I mean, Google's headquartered in Bermuda, Nike's in Bermuda, Apple's in Ireland, Apple is not in San Cupertino, Apple pays 0.0000017% in Ireland. I mean, uh, Goldman Sachs is in, I mean, you could, the list goes on and on. So, yeah, so that, sure. that, those are the future in our space. Huh. Well, well, a lot of interesting stuff. And 
I mean, again, I'm sure like you mentioned corporate structuring, maybe not the, the sexiest topic to talk <laughs> about, but it sure is important. It sure is important. And, you know, just seeing how fast things are, are, are moving in the world and in general, um, it's good to have a resource to, to help guide you on these, on these steps. So, um, we're, we're just about at the end here. I wanted to, to open up to any, anything else that you want to add, or do you want to let our listeners know how to find you, how to reach uh, out to uh, you? Yeah. First of all, thank you. Dustin. This has been awesome. This has been, um, uh, I think when we met and we talked, we thought that for the, for the, especially the, the group that you all run and the impact this could have, I, I'm, I'm very humble and happy to be here and be part of the conversation and be part of the team, to be honest with you. Uh, we really build a community. So anybody we know, we want the whole community to know. Uh, we want everybody to understand this, these things are for your benefit. To reach us, you know, the website is always easy. It's www.simplystructure.com. Um, and all the way is LinkedIn, Marley JD Watkins, or Simply Structure at LinkedIn, or email. I mean, if you're listening, if you want to email me, it's mwatkins, W-A-T-K-I-N-S, at simplystructure.com. We like, again, we like to talk to people. We enjoy this information. If anything you lead with, if you're in a space of real estate, remember, Delaware plus one is the norm. Layer yourself up and 60%. 60% of the point one or one in this country are doing this and some. So that just shows you that those, um, those are, where this goes and where we stand. Those are, those are great tips, great takeaways. And thank you again for joining. I'll have all of your contact information on the show notes. And again, thank you for your time. I appreciate all right, man. it. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques podcast. We hope you found the conversation insightful and engaging. And if you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your network. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode as we continue to bring you inspiring discussions with industry leaders and pioneers. Stay connected to the latest insights, trends, and strategies across various fields from business and entrepreneurship to technology and innovation. Your support is vital in helping us reach more listeners and expand our community. So don't forget to leave a review and share your feedback. We appreciate your input and are committed to delivering valuable content that empowers and inspires. To stay updated on future episodes, be sure to follow us on either LinkedIn or our website, suttonrea.com. You can also find us on most podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon. Thank you for being part of the Tools, Talents, and Techniques community. We look forward to bringing you more engaging conversations and valuable insights in the future. Until then, keep exploring, learning, and applying these tools, talents, and techniques to achieve your own success.